Welcome to the Being Known Podcast with my friend, Dr. Kurt Thompson. And my friend, Pepper Sweeney. We are here to discover and explore what it means to be truly known. Hey, Kurt. Hey, Pep. You know, we have been talking about the nine domains of integration here in our second season of the Being Known mm-hmm. Podcast. And I feel like I've kept up to a certain extent anyway, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> with some of the vocabulary and, you know, everything. But then we get to today. And we are talking about the transpirational domain, the transpirational domain, which you know darn well is a completely made-up word. Now, it's, it's one thing, you know, to have this vocabulary and handicap the rest of us. But it's another thing when you just start making stuff up. You know, I mean, come on. That's not a word. That's not a word. Well, I can blame my friend Dan Siegel on this. He readily admits and writes about it that this wasn't a word before he made it up. Well. And, uh, but it's, it is in many respects, it's a, it's a beautiful word. One, one could easily think that well, it's some kind of cross-country flight, right? It's transpirational. It's in the air. It's trans. It's from L.A. to New York. Yes. But the word actually came out of Dan's reflections as he was witnessing what was happening as he would talk about the eight domains that we've talked about so far, as people would begin to apply and live into the exercises and paying attention and then the work of paying attention to these different domains and allowing them to take up residence in their lives, Dan was noticing that their lives as a whole would begin to change and they would start to articulate an awareness of their world and of their relationships that seemed to be a phenomenon that that itself seemed to be kind of outside, if you will, any of the particular eight domains that they had been talking about before. This notion that if we focus our attention on particular aspects, I think of any particular given artistry work or skill set, that we notice that we begin to become more effective, we become more able at certain things that we weren't necessarily planning on intentionally or consciously to be able to do. An example of this would be if you are writing poetry, for example, or if you're learning to play the piano, or if you're learning uh, to play, you know, you're learning a golf game. If you focus your attention on any one of the particular aspects that is required to, whether it's like rhyme or rhythm, for instance, I'm, I'm going to work on that. I'm just going to pay more attention to that aspect of writing poetry. Or I'm going to pay more attention to uh, the work of trills when I'm practicing the piano. I'm going to do some work on that. Or I'm going to work on my short iron game. I'm going to, I'm going to spend the next couple of weeks, and that's really what I'm going to focus my attention on. If we took that kind of approach to all of the different subset parts of any particular endeavor that we take on in life, we find that the entire picture begins to be uh, brighter. We, we notice that we're better at lots of things. We, and, and the picture as a whole 
begins to come together, as we like to say, the whole becomes larger than the sum of its parts. Mm. That my capacity to play the piano, to play Beethoven's Fifth Piano Concerto, is not uh, something I'm able to do because I just decided I'm going to play that concerto. It's because I'm practicing all the subsets very well. But what's so striking is that this emergence of a transformation of the whole is not something that we do on purpose. Hmm. It's not something that we do because we choose to do it. It is almost something that happens as a byproduct over which we don't necessarily have the opportunity to control. And there are so many different ways that this applies to our lives as human beings. And what we're really saying that with this word transpirational, we're really talking about trans across and then spirational having to do with breathing, the, to spirate, right? The spirational rate of a person is our breath rate. Right. That it is breathing across domains. It is this breath across domains. Now, I know it's, it's interesting, you know, Dan is not a person of Christian faith, and I don't know that he would even be aware of this, that one of the primary metaphors that is used about the presence and activity of the Holy Spirit in the biblical narrative is that of breath, is that of the, this breath that is within us. And it is the wind, right? And Jesus talks about how the Holy, in, in John's gospel, the Holy Spirit comes and goes as it will. And we don't decide where and when and how that's going to happen. That's God's business. Of course, I wish that were different. I mean, I know that we all have ways in which we can think about our, we, you all who are listening, you, you can name the parts of your life in your life with your friends, with your work, with your spouses, with your children, with your parents, with your enemies. You can name those places where you want to be able to control where, when, and how the Holy Spirit blows into the room, right? I, I want the Holy Spirit to come and bring a fresh wind into this particular space, and I want to be in charge of that. And there are so many ways and times in which I want to, like, be in charge of the Holy Spirit's story, right? I want to tell the Spirit's narrative. I want to decide where and when it comes and how it comes, but we don't get to do that in the same way that children don't get to decide what their parents are gonna decide about them and about their family because that's not my job. But I, I often find myself worried that if I'm not able to focus my attention on the entire picture, the entire story, all at once with equal power and capacity to regulate it, to have agency over it, that somehow something's going to fall through the cracks. But what Dan was pointing out, and I believe what the biblical narrative points out, is that we are not asked by Jesus to control the world. Right. We're not asked to be in charge of every single thing all the time. We're asked to be in charge of one thing at a time, whatever that thing is, one domain at a time. And that when we practice paying attention to what I'm paying attention to, and this week that's what I'm going to do, and next week I'm going to pay attention to the vertical domain of the mind. What is my body doing? And the next week I'm going to pay attention to the communication between my right and my left hemispheres, the horizontal domain of the mind, and so forth and so on. And I'm going to practice these things, and what we come to discover 
is that the Holy Spirit is working to weave these things with each other across domains and saying to me, Kurt, I don't want you to worry about this particular domain that you're not paying attention to today. I have that. This is particularly acute when it comes to certain interpersonal domains, when I have relationships that I feel like I can't, you know, that I'm, I've either, they're imperfect or that I can't get them perfectly well or right. And I just need to find the thing that I can do. Yeah. And Jesus is saying, no, your job is not to do that. When he says, in this world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. He doesn't even say, it's okay. He doesn't even say, don't be afraid. He says, actually, be of good cheer. I'm like, really? You're asking me to be of good cheer when I'm facing this thing in my family? When I'm facing the marriage that's fracturing? When I'm facing our child's substance abuse problem? When we're facing the cancer? When we're facing the job loss, when we're facing the isolation from pandemic. Be of good cheer. Really? It's difficult for me to allow the Holy Spirit to do the work of allowing me to wake up to his, to his work while I'm paying attention to the things that I've been given to pay attention to. It feels like there's a great illustration of this from a movie from the 80s. Right? Karate Kid. Wax on, wax oh, off. Talk wax about on, that. Talk wax about off. He, Miyagi. He just kept telling, <laughs> telling the kid, you know, wax the car this way, then wax it off this way. Wax it this way, wax it. And he was, he was concentrating on that one thing, but it was a much bigger thing that he was teaching him. And then all of right. a sudden, he knew how to do it all, right? He knew right. how to defend. Right. He knew how to strike. All those things by focusing on this one thing and not trying to... You know, the kid just kept saying, I want to learn all of it. I want to learn how to, how to do all the things, right? I mean, right. he's like, no, wax right. on, wax off. That's all you need right. to worry about. I got the rest of it. That's, it's so beautiful. And, like, I am that kid. I'm yeah. the kid all the time. Like, okay, I'm waxing on. Now, how's this, help, how's this right. helping me? Like, tell, <laughs> could you explain this? Right. Well, You're getting your car okay, waxed. What am I getting? Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. I um, I think of uh, you know I was <laughs> I was like sixteen or so, sixteen years old, and I had a we were having a I was part of a youth group, mm -hmm. and uh, I was you know a, a leader in this youth group in our small town in Ohio, and there was a uh, young girl that I had a crush on. And, uh, but, you know, the, the, it, it was an unrequited crush. <laughs> and, uh, th but there was another guy who joined the youth group. And, you know, uh, on the surface, it looked like he was joining the youth group because he was interested in spiritual things. And, of course, I knew better. Right. And, of course, at first glance, it, it, you know, it was like there was, you know, no, I'm, I'm just here for, you know, all the reasons that one should be here in a youth group. And I mean, you mean, oh, the brunette over there in the corner. And of course, no, 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 no. And then, of course, it all came out on this one retreat that we were having. We had this retreat, and I was so pissed 
because it just became plain. I'm like, I was, I was right all along. And it's, you know, it's not just that she's interested in him and he's interested in her, but like, she's not interested in me. Right. But I'm like the president of this youth group. Right. And, uh, so we're, I'm, I'm upset. And we, uh, the speaker for this weekend was a guy that I really respected and had known him from a couple of other retreats that we'd been on and really, really found, you know, this guy's word and this guy's work, even as a 16-year-old, had been really meaningful to me. And so I go to this guy and I said, like, over the course of the retreat, I'm like, here's the deal. I tell him the story. And he said, well, what do you think you need to do? I said, I don't want to, no, I don't want to go talk to this guy. I don't want to tell him, I don't want to tell him that I'm mad. I don't want to tell him that I think that he's, like, making this up and, like, all, all the things. And he said, so, uh, and you think, and so not doing that, you think that's, that's going to help things? That's going to help things? I'm like, ah. So it's one of those moments where I, all I could do was to trust that, like, I, I, all I can do is what I can do. And so I'll never forget, we're sitting in this room, he and I, and we have this conversation in which I say, uh, I, I don't say to him, I think you're being a dirty, rotten scoundrel. I say, uh, I'm upset, and frankly, um, I'm not happy that you're here because I think that you're here for reasons that are not genuine, and uh, I don't like you because of it. And I don't like that I don't like you, but, I'm, but I, I, I don't like you, and I would like for you to forgive me for kind of holding this attitude. Now, of course, I'm waiting for this guy to, like say all manner of evil against me because like, oh, you're the president of the youth group and this is what you think and blah, 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 blah. And he said to me, man, no one's ever been this honest with me. Like we're, we're like seniors in high school. He said, no one's ever been this honest with me. And, uh, and I, I'm just really glad we talked and thank you for that. And, uh, you're right. You're absolutely right. I've been, I've been faking it the whole time, and uh, nobody ever points that stuff out to me. I do it a lot, and of course, the whole time he's saying this, I'm like, I'm look, I'm like looking for angels to come through the room, right? I'm come through the door. I'm, I'm like, what's going on here? And it was one of those experience, and 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 so from that day on. This guy who I had for a number of years held a closeted resentment of. From that day on, I mean, we didn't become best friends because we, we, we hadn't been super close, but like, like there was a new birth of a brand new relationship of a, of a, of a young guy of my, like, who I genuinely loved in that moment. Like my heart was just transformed. And from then forward, and we're not in touch with each other now, But it was one of those moments where something happened that I couldn't control because I was paying attention to the things that I, that I was being asked to do. And it was one of those times when I'm like, oh, this is evidence that the Holy Spirit is ready and at the door and ready to do the work that it wants to do. It does require my cooperation to do certain things that I need to do before it can do certain things that it can do. So when we hear from Jesus that like, Oh, you of little faith. There's this sense in which Jesus is calling us to step into who we are meant to be. Kurt, take the courage 
to step up and have the conversation. I want you to be comfortable and confident in your own skin that you can tell the truth and you can be loved and you will be okay. That's what I want you to I want you to be that person who's a truth teller. That's who I want you to become. I don't want you to worry about what his response is going to be. But it scared the living daylights out of me, sure. dude. Sure. But I, I would I would venture to guess changed a lot of your uh, going forward and how you handled situations like that. Because it, forever. Yeah. Forever. I mean it 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 gave me the confidence to 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 like and 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 there had been any number of moments like that since then with other people. And also in which you recognize that, okay, my friend, you know, for whatever reason, like he was also ready and willing to tell the truth about where he was in his life. But I don't I don't know that for sure. And this notion that we're actually called to pay attention to each of these domains and to live and act into them. Uh, we, in so doing, we find ourselves entering this awareness of kind of there's a certain peace within ourselves and between us and others along with this deep connection. And, you know, we've been talking about this idea of integration. And in some respects, this is really a reflection of what we call the integration of integration. We have all these interlocking steps, all these interlocking domains. And in some respects, it's a reflection of, you know, it's, it's new creation. The creation narrative of Genesis 1, right? Each day is an interlocking dyad. There's day and night. There's water above, water below. There's the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. There's land and there's water. These interlocking spaces. But each of the six days of creation before the seventh day of rest, they are interlocking with each of the other six days. And in that sense, that is a picture of integration of integration. And this is the same thing that we're doing. We're being asked in God's image to create beauty in the world by paying attention to one thing at a time. God was not, he didn't just say, let there be the universe. He didn't just say, let everything have its purpose in one sentence. He paid attention to one thing at a time. One thing at a time. He wasn't in a rush. I'm in a rush. I'm in a rush because I'm worried that if I don't get everything packaged and wrapped, I mean, I'm 58, like I don't have time. I got to get everything perfect so that everything will be okay, so that I'll be okay to get into God's heaven when it comes. And Jesus is saying, no, Kurt, like that's uh, not the point. The point is to be loved in this moment as you do the work that has been prepared for you to do in this moment and not to be in charge of everything at the same time. That's my work. My work is for you to do the things you can do so that you can breathe, that transpiration so that you can breathe easily, that you can exhale as I do the things that I do. You know, I think we've, we've, we've mentioned this before when we talked about Vedran Smailovic, the cellist of Sarajevo. And, you know, he was not a peace broker. He did not decide one day to take his cello and go out and make peace for the world. All he could do was go and play the adagio. 
That's what he did. And he did that over and over and over and over. And out of it, new life was made. New life was born. Even in the face of the shelling that continued. That act of beauty, that act of perseverance, that act of paying attention to what he could pay attention to. So I think I want you all to, we we, we really want you all to know that the beauty that is emerging in your lives as you attune to and live into each of these domains is ultimately not beauty for which you have to worry about having the final say or being ultimately responsible. It is a beauty that God is in the business of creating with you. We think about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I think about like, well, I just, I want to be a fruit-bearing dude. That's what I want to be. I'm going to set out today. I'm going to bear fruit. But I can't do that. I have to decide today I'm going to really work on being faithful. And of course, the moment I decide to pay attention to being faithful, I discover the myriad ways that I'm not. When I decide that I'm going to work at being patient, I suddenly have a plethora of opportunities in which I'm not feeling very patient. Well, how am I going to be kind and good if I can't even be patient? Well, this fruit, hence the whole notion of Paul's use of this language, is not unlike what we do with any kind of farming. We can provide the proper conditions, but I cannot guarantee that the tree will bear fruit. I can't guarantee it. I can't guarantee good outcomes. I can only provide the proper conditions for that. And if I can't guarantee something, my mind is being hearkened back to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in which I want to also, like Eve and Adam, I want to take and I want to control and consume and devour because my shame internally has me always worried that somehow I'm not going to be enough. And like the rich young ruler, I will not have done enough to be loved. What happens to us if we, if we don't focus our attention, if we try to be responsible for all of the things all the time? What happens to us? Well, you know, Pep, I think, uh, I think of what happens to me. I, uh, you know, cur- life is, for me, is currently, and, and, I, and I know for you, currently has, there are lots of balls, lots of plates, Balls, plates, I don't, I don't, lots of nuclear energy plants. <laughs> right. That feel like they're spinning. Lots of really wonderful opportunities and good things. Uh, and I'm anxious. I'm anxious a lot of my day because I'm worried that because of all the things, not they're all going to, and so in my attempt to like think about them all, I become more anxious and then the work that I do in any single one of them is uh, diminished. Right. It's kind of like 
You know, we, I, I, it is often the, the rhythm of things in my home that uh, my, my wife, uh, thanks be to God for her, uh, has often over the years been the one who does a lot of the meal preparation for our family. And that continues now. And my job then is to clean up. That's often the case. And we, we often do these things. You know, sometimes we'll do them together. But like my, my job, and I want to clean up because she's worked hard at preparing for, for us. But it's like we get done and I see all the dishes and I'm like, it's overwhelming. Like I don't like, I got, I got other things I got to do. I got other plates that I got to, that are like if I don't. And I have to consider, oh my gosh, like no, just start the water in the sink. Look at one pot at a time, one dish at a time. And I, I have that felt sense of like, oh my gosh, okay, I, I, I notice that I'm, I, my, in my chest things relax when I'm just going to pay attention to the cutlery. I'm going to pay attention to the glassware. I'm going to pay attention to the other things that we're going to wash one thing at a time. And then it, it's been helpful. I mean, literally, this has been true for me in the last couple of weeks where I've, the, 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 the dishes have become metaphors for my, for my life. And, you know, I worry that if I don't get everything done in the time frame that everybody wants me to get it done, that like, you know, people, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to, it, it just reenacts my sense that I am a disappointment. It's not just that I feel I will be, a, that I will disappoint somebody or that I will be a disappointment. It's that I am. That I am. Yeah. And this is exactly what evil would want us thinking. You know, there is this, this notion that if I could control everything and make sure that everything was complete all the time, then I can exhale. And then I will ensure that by my actions, I will not be a disappointment. I, I'm, I'm disproving that I am a disappointment. This story, there's a certain thread in my story that I am an, a, a provocator, a, a provo- prov- what's that word? Provocateur. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. See, there's a word. You know, I'm, I'm really a walking thesaurus. Um, <laughs> I just, you know, there, there's a problem, Kurt. If people perceive you as perfect, it, it can become a wedge between you and others. And so I create these little flaws in my personality that just allow me to be more accepted in society. So, yes, go ahead, provocateur. I'm just wondering if you could just finish my thought for me too, because I'm I'm just I didn't know I please I it's, it'll it'll be so much better for all of us. <laughs> I want you to I really I think we've got probably about another ten or fifteen minutes. Yeah. I, I just really want to stop now and let you. No, that's okay. Pick up the that's, that's not that's not going to happen. I I I perceive myself to be a provocateur of other people's anxiety. And, you know, it's, it's not uh, inconsistent with the reality of, you know, kind of my being born into a family where, you know, I suppose people were glad when I finally arrived and I had two ears and one nose and not the other way around. But, you know, my parents were anxious. They were worried. And so it's, it is a, it's, a, it's a striking thing to somehow, you know, from the time you come into the earth, kind of like have this 
primal sense, even pre-verbally, this, this sense that you're, you, you have to be on the lookout for when, for whenever it's going to ha- it's going to happen that the shoe is going to drop and, you know, it will be affirmed what you know to be true in your life. And so you're con- I'm constantly, like there is, there is a part of me that is constantly working to make sure that I'm okay in your eyes. And so I, 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 if, 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 I, if, I only, if I only focus on one thing at a time, then there's all those other options, there are all those other places where I'm not focusing attention, where I'm, be, I'm disappointed, I, I, you know, the, that I am a disappointment is coming to fruition. It's a different kind of fruit. And it's in that space that I have to do work that Jesus is calling me to say, like, we need to spend time together so that I can, like, have you look at me in the face in prayer and in the scriptures and in your friend Pepper's voice and eyes and my friend Jeff's voice and eyes and my wife's voice and eyes to continue to heal that really old part of you that wants to continue to kind of like interrupt the conversation that Jesus is having with us, with me. Hmm. Kurt, as always, it's so good to see you. Okay, so you have mentioned, and we've talked a little bit on the podcast about an event that you have coming up. And I have some details, but I I don't feel fully informed, so I would love to know more. Thanks, Amy. Many of you may remember that I have mentioned in the past an upcoming conference that I'm really excited about. The conference is called Connections, and it will be held October 22nd. That's Friday, October 22nd. It's going to be a virtual conference. And it is sponsored by the Center for Being Known. The Center for Being Known is a nonprofit organization that I formed a number of years ago. And its mission and purpose is to create an opportunity for anyone and everyone who is interested in exploring this intersection of interpersonal neurobiology and Christian spiritual formation and how that can shape our lives no matter where we are working, whether we're working as parents or in schools, as teachers or administrators, if we're lawyers, if we're doctors, if we're secretaries, if we are farmers, no matter what it is that we're doing, we want to know how can the process of being known enable us to flourish in every and all domains of life that we occupy. This conference is the first of its kind that is going to allow folks to have uh, a picture of what that means to apply the principles of being known in four different areas of vocation. We're going to explore what it means to explore that in mental health, what that means in education, what it means in leadership, what it means in ministry. We have four different speakers along with my keynote address. All that's going to be coming to us again on Friday, October 22nd. If you'd like to be part of this conference, and we would love for you to do that, you can find out more about it by going to the link of the organization, the Center for Being Known, at thecbk.org. Not CBK, again, but thecbk.org. And if you have questions about it, you'll find at the bottom of the landing page there that you can contact us at contact us at thecbk.org. Again, the conference is called Connections. I can't wait to have you all join us to 
have the opportunity to really explore more of what we've been talking about here on this podcast. October 22nd, that's a Friday. Look forward to having you all join us then. I think about uh, in, in, in the, I've, we have this new book that's coming, The Soul of Desire, which release date is October 5th, yeah, which mm-hmm. grateful for that. And the foreword is being offered by Makoto Fujimura and, um, and there are going to be four prints of his that are going to be in the book. And one of those uh, is a painting called New Wine. And I had this opportunity to be with a group of people with Mako three years ago in Pasadena when over the course of a week, we were all sharing different thoughts and reflections from our own respective fields while he also then was painting in this artistic tradition of Nihonga, N-I-H-O-N-G-A, this Japanese form of painting that uses all these crushed minerals that are just turned to powder. We've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, two things about it, uh, to watch him paint and to watch what happens on the canvas, this notion that A... Uh, I'll, I'll never forget when he they'd taken these very thin, solid gold leaves and he puts it into this small container and he has a plunger that he pushes up and down and up and down and up and down of the plunger. And at the bottom of this container, there are just very, very, very small holes. And as he plunges the, the, the sheets of gold, it basically comes out in these like salt and peppered flakes. Mm-hmm. These very, very, very small flakes that are just literally drifting onto the canvas of otherwise, of, of wet paint. And there's a certain degree to which Mako's directing this, right, as he's, as he's doing it over the course, the, over, the, over the area of the canvas. But, like, he's not placing every single speck of gold. Like, in some respects, it's just going to land where it lands. And even, here's the other thing, right? Some of them even drift away and out over the edge of the canvas and drop onto the floor. Now, like, how lavish is that? To have a God who says, I am going to be so much present in this that even my lavishness is going to spread out over the edge of your canvas. And you need to know that even though you don't have absolute control, I am the great artist who's seeing where everything's landing, not controlling absolutely every single jot and tittle in a way that gives you no wiggle room. I just want you to know that this is how your life is unfolding. And when this painting is done, this if you, you know you can go to my website and look for new wine. Like there are no words. There are no words for the beauty that emerges from this. And of course, this is so counterintuitive to me who thinks that like, you know, I, I, you know, like paintings that are realistic, right? Realism. You know, don't give me Mark Rothko. Give me, you know, at least Return of the Prodigal Son, right? Something that we have at least a picture of something that has its own beauty. But in this case with Mako's work, this sense that God is working in a way that is both mysterious and it is in the mystery 
that this beauty emerges, not because there's no control, right? There's like his skill set is very disciplined. He's paid a lot of attention to a lot of these different domains of his craft in the same way that we pay attention to these different domains of integration. We work to become people of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Each of those fruit are distinct in their nature. And as we do, the breath of the Holy Spirit sweeps over the deep of our lives in the same way that it swept over the deep at creation. We find that we move to repair ruptures like I was trying to do as a 16-year-old. We find that, like Kintsugi, mm-hmm. we mentioned that here before as well, we find that God is painting gold along the fracture lines. Beauty is being created out of our most difficult broken places. We are living, breathing, pulsating examples of how Paul's confidence that he who began a good work will complete it. And I'm just so glad I'm getting to do this with you. You know, and I love this uh, picture of Mako um, with the gold shaker. And, uh, you know, knowing that he practiced that technique over and over and over and over, that singular myopic thing, right? Yeah. But then getting to the place where it's going to land where it lands. Yep. And so you're working so hard. You, you, You work really hard on this singular thing so that you can get to a place of trust and know that it's going to land where it's going to land and some of the gold's going to land on the floor. Yep. And yep. there might be a piece that lands somewhere where you weren't quite wanting it to land. Yep. But you have to, we have to get to that place where we, we have so focused our attention on that one thing that we can... You know, when I, when I work with um, speakers, I drill into them to, you know, you have to, you have to rehearse this. You have to work it. You know, that uh, when, when you're doing a Ted talk, I think they make you work on it for six months before they allow you on their stage. And you have to know it so much where you don't, you don't at one point even like look up to the left, you know, where you're trying to remember what that word was that you were going to say, because that separates, Mm -hmm. that separates you from the audience because you're no longer, you know, folk. But so that, but the key to me is, is working so hard and having it so damn pat that when you walk out on that stage, you let all that go. You completely let it go and let and trust that it's going to land where it lands. Just let it right come on. out at that point. But you can't get to that place. I've also worked with people who have walked out and just said, "I'm going to it's going to land where it's going to land and they haven't done the work prior." Right. And so you, that's not, that doesn't work. Then nothing lands. Right. You know, right. but I love this idea of, it's almost a relief in some ways to know that I don't have to focus on all of the things all of the time. Right. Um, right. When I have to focus on all the things, or when I tell myself that I have to focus on all the things all the time, it's not just anxiety, but it's paralyzing. Yep. You know, I don't take any moves. I don't, you know, take one step forward because it's just this wall of everything. 
But then right. I focus on the one thing that I'm going to do first and then the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. That, the, the TED Talk example is really beautiful. I, I think it's a, I mean, because all, you all are have listened to TED Talks and you get a sense that when you're listening to that speaker, it's 20 minutes. It doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. And yet we know from the testimony of many of the speakers who've done that, that the amount of difficulty it was kind of coming to that place. Yeah, you are timed to a very just just you are timed to a very specific yeah. time. And if you don't hit, you know, if you don't hit it in rehearsal, show them that you do it time and time again. They don't allow you on the stage. And yet you still have to go out there and forget it. You have to forget it. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, I think, you know, one one of the one of the tasks that we pay attention to, and I, you know, d- different domains have different times at which they rise to the occasion to be more important. And I, I think about this interpersonal domain, and I think about the notion within Christian spiritual formation and this, uh, and, and we've, and we, the interpersonal, I think about the state domain, this sense of transitioning from solitude to community, this rhythm of back and forth from solitude to community. That I need both. I need time in solitude. I need time for reflection and meditation and prayer and scripture. I need time for silence. And in that space, things emerge that I then want to move back to community in order for those things that have happened in solitude to grow even further. That then in community create the next set of things that I want to take back to solitude. And that reminds me of, you know, how it is that, you know, when we talk about the, uh, the way that we actually look at each other, human beings look at each other, when we gaze at each other, we don't simply just stare with absolutely no movement of the eye. Right, even now, like you and I are talking, but like I see that you're in your chair, you're swiveling ever so, you know, back and forth. There's a certain rhythm to that, right? And I, I get that. Has I wish I had a swivel chair. <laughs> wish, I, wish I could match you. I'm gonna try. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. So yeah. if you, if you start to see me do this, but this sense that the eye wants to look and then kind of look away and then look back and look away. Newborns and infants as they are developing. And when we look at them, we want to look at them as parents, but we got, we have to give them an opportunity to look away from us in order to come back, to look away and come back. And there is a sense in which you see children then do this when they're starting on their first adventures, things that they're going to try, they're going to be difficult. They're trying their adventure, but then they look back at mom, they look back at dad, they want to see. And this is this, this sense of looking at Jesus, the sense that we are always wanting to paying attention to where we are and looking up and glancing at him and paying attention to where we are and looking up and glancing at him. Solitude to community. While we are doing the individual work of each of these domains, we are simultaneously having the opportunity of glancing at Jesus, gazing at Jesus, and returning to the work in front of us such that his breath 
is breathing across all those domains, making the whole greater than the sum of its parts, conforming us to his image, ushering in the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. That's great. That solitude to community, community to solitude. Well, I think we've covered it, Kurt. I think that that about covers this made-up word. And... (laughs) (laughs) The transpirational domain. You know, what are we going to make up for next time? No. It's it's, uh, the the idea of um, the integration of integration. And, you know, you have have said to me uh, it oftentimes this idea of how we have to focus, you can't focus all of your attention on one thing at a time, I mean, on many things at a time. When you're focusing all your attention, it needs to be on one thing. And and I, I've always really liked this idea that you've, that you've shared with me of when you're feeling anxious, think about what you're grateful for because you can't be both grateful and anxious. It's, it's physically impossible, neurologically impossible right. to be both right. ang- anxious and grateful at the same time. So I'm going to focus on gratitude right now and say thank you for today. Um, Mm. Loving this season, learning a ton, and um, can't wait to get back at it. Right on, my brother. Good to be with you. You too. Love you. Until next time. Yep. Yep. This podcast is produced by Kurt Thompson, Pepper Sweeney, and myself, Amy Chella. Audio production and music is by Keaton Simons. If you'd like to connect with us, you can visit us on our website, beingknownpodcast.com, or you can find us on social media at beingknownpod. Be well, be known. <laughs>